Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, let's celebrate. The Orioles snap their six-game losing streak in very exciting fashion. And Anthony Santander walk-off three-run homer beats the Yankees on Thursday afternoon. I'll get to the five things that you need to know from that Orioles victory snapping the losing streak. Then we'll talk a little bit about a trade that went down this week as Paul Fry, after being DFA'd, was actually dealt to the Diamondbacks and the Orioles got something in return for Paul Fry. We'll talk about who that young player is. And then we'll preview the weekend series, Orioles and Rays at Camden Yards for three starting tonight. We'll talk about the pitching matchups and talk about, as of now, we don't know the answer as I record this here on Thursday evening, but will Adley Rutschman be a part of the Orioles in that series? But we'll parse it out coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So before we get to discussing what was a fantastic Orioles win on Thursday afternoon, just want to timestamp this for you. In terms of my schedule and being able to record, it is currently 6.22 p.m. Eastern time as I sit behind the mic here. So, you know, it's been about two hours, a little less than two hours since the Orioles won. And we haven't heard anything about Adley Rutschman. Now, this is going to be posted, as usual, you know, 5 a.m. Eastern time on Friday morning. So between now and then, maybe Adley gets the call. And if he does, you'll see plenty of content from me over the Twitter account, at Locked on Orioles. You might see a little special on the YouTube account, so make sure to subscribe here on YouTube to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page for that extra content if Adley does get promoted. But again... As we tick to 6.23 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, no Adley news yet. What we do know is that he is in Norfolk's lineup. Norfolk set to play a game tonight at 7, and uh, he was listed hitting second and catching for the Norfolk Tides in the Thursday night lineup. So it means he'll be catching for the third straight day for the first time on his rehab assignment. That is a good thing moving forward, but it doesn't take out the possibility of him coming up and playing Friday and making his debut on the day I predicted, May 20th, but it does make it a little harder because you figured the Orioles would announce it after the day game on Thursday, fly him up to Baltimore, get him acclimated, and have him in the lineup Friday night. Still possible, but seems a little bit less probable with him in the Norfolk lineup, but again, we will see, and uh, if this is outdated, of all your coverage over the Locked on Orioles YouTube page and the at Locked on Orioles Twitter account. But let's get right into today's episode and the fun of Thursday's game. As the Orioles take down the Yankees by a score of 9-6 to six to snap their six-game losing streak, Orioles are now 15-24 and 24 on the season. They do end up dropping three out of four in the series, but they get the last one, and that's, uh, that's the best way to lose three out of four. And of course, we'll get to the five things you need to know from this Orioles victory. And let's start with the first thing you need to know. I'm sure you've all seen it by now, but Anthony Santander won this game with a three-run walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning off of Yankees lefty Lucas Letke to win the game 9-6. to It was Santander's first ever walk-off hit, and it was the Orioles' first walk-off home run since the famous Rio Ruiz two-run walk-off homer off of the Astros back in 2019. It's been almost three years since the Orioles had a walk-off home run, 
And they got it done again. Santander from the right side on the first pitch. Cutter middle in and sends it over the big wall down the left field line for a three-run homer to uh, extend his team lead in home runs and give the Orioles the walk-off victory. But it was a big-time swing. You know, it, it wasn't the absolutely demolished home run, but it was 102 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 376 feet down the line. And the thing with that hit was, even if it wasn't getting out, which it did, it was going to hit off the wall, and Austin Hayes was going to score from second and still win the game. Because Hayes reached on an error to start the inning, and then Mancini singled with one out, and Santander puts it away for the Orioles. And it made it even cooler that, you know, the O's could have won this game in the top of the ninth. They had a 6-5 lead going into the top of the ninth inning. They had two outs, a runner on second, and DJ LeMahieu just kind of bloops a single into right field off of Jorge Lopez, who didn't make a bad pitch. LeMahieu just got lucky, scored the tying run. Yankees actually loaded the bases, and Felix Bautista got Stanton to line out to center with the bases loaded in two outs just to keep it 6-6. And then the Orioles uh, sigh of relief and go on to win the game in the bottom of the ninth. But what a moment for Santander. Always fun to see a walk-off homer, and we haven't seen one over the course of two full seasons since the Ruiz home run. So just great to see a walk-off home run back in Baltimore. Second thing you need to know from this one is that Santander wasn't the only hitter who got things going in this game. Yes, Santander was three for four with two doubles, the home run, three RBIs, also drew a walk and had one of his best games of the year. But Trey Mancini just absolutely mashed the baseball. And it was along with an Orioles offense that did a lot of good things today. O scored nine runs on 11 hits. They hit the ball hard. You know, you also had Tyler Nevin come up with two hits in this game, which was nice to see. You had Ryan McKenna get a hit. You had Rugnet Odor come up with a big pinch hit RBI single that gave the Orioles a 6-5 lead in their three-run sixth inning. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys came up clutch, but Trey Mancini just scorched the baseball. Now, he only ended up with two hits in a two-for-five day, ended up scoring a run on the Santander walk-off homer, also had a strikeout. But he raised his average to 292, OPS to 743, and I mean just absolutely mashing the baseball. The one he mashed the most was his hit in the ninth inning. One on and one out against Letke. And a 10-pitch at bat, the 10th pitch, he gets a cutter down the middle, scorches it on a liner into center field for a base hit, 110 miles per hour off the bat for that Mancini single. He had four hard-hit balls on the day. Again, he was only rewarded with those two hits, but he, he did strike out in the sixth, but every other time he came up, it was a hard-hit ball. In the fifth inning, 104-mile-per-hour ground out. Could have been a hit other times. He scorched a ball down to third base. You go back to the third inning, 99-mile-per-hour ground out. That ball could have been a hit at other times. It had an expected batting average of 600. You go back to his other at-bat in the first inning, his other single, 99.7 miles per hour off the bat. He hit the ball hard in this game. Again, wasn't rewarded with more than the two hits, but he continues to hit it hard. Things continue to go well offensively for Mancini. The offensive numbers in general continue to creep up, and this is just a great, great scene for the Orioles here to see Trey continue to swing a hot bat. Third thing you need to know from this one as we transition over to the mound, Bruce Zimmerman battled in this game, but he was not great and probably his worst start of the season. Zimmerman goes five innings, allowing five earned runs on seven hits. He strikes out just two, walks one, 
and gives up a home run in the game. Through 78 pitches, his ERA up to 3.48 on the season for the lefty, who did allow eight hard hit balls in this start. And it did not start well for Zimmerman, who gave up two runs in the top of the first inning, got second and third, one out, and Stanton mashed a ball off the wall in left for a long two-run single to put the Yankees on the board immediately. And you thought right there, you saw Zimmerman's stuff, you saw that hit from Stanton, which was a 114-mile-per-hour hit off the bat that ended up just being a long single. And you thought things might get away from him. Now, the O's made a couple good defensive plays, kept the Yankees to two in the first inning. And Bruce did settle down after that. It was a scoreless second, a scoreless third. Now, he did come out there and, and you know, give up a, a home run in the fourth to tie the game, but threw a scoreless fifth and then came back out in the sixth and got dinked and dunked for a couple of singles, came out of the game, and uh, both runs ended up coming around to score and were charged to him. But, again, it was nice to see him pitch into the sixth inning despite not having really anything resembling good stuff. I mean, 78 pitches, he got just two whiffs. On 39 swings from Yankee hitters, he got two hits, or two whiffs, I should say. That is an abysmal number. One came on the curveball when he struck out Aaron Hicks. One came on a changeup. I mean, that was it. Really, his only solid pitch on the day was that curveball, and he only threw it 10 times out of his 78 pitches. Got three called strikes, got a whiff on that pitch. It looked pretty good. But other than that, I mean, it was 23 four-seamers. Now, the one thing that was interesting... StatCast gave him 12 sinkers to go along with 23 four-seamers. We know he's been mixing in the sinker more and more. The 12 sinkers was the most he's thrown all year, but it was still combined for 35 fastballs. Those pitches got hit hard on the day. Through 22 change-ups, 11 sliders, and again, the 10 curveballs. You know, his command wasn't terrible. He wasn't erratic. He only walked one guy, but he was kind of erratic in the zone. Now, his velo was up on all his pitches a little bit, but what really happened to Zimmerman was he was in the zone a lot. He just wasn't hitting his spots in the zone, and Yankee hitters were kind of crushing him in this one. And, you know, he could have come out after five, although the pitch count was way down. So I completely understand why Brandon Hyde sent him back out there for the sixth. And not like he gave up a bunch of mashed baseballs in those two hits in the sixth inning, but the two whiffs. That's not a good number on 39 swings. He'll look to bounce back. And it was just really weird. You know, that first inning, he threw 21 pitches, allowing the two runs. 13 of them were fastballs. And he's been trending a little down on his fastball because it's been his worst pitch over the last two years. It was weird to see him throw so many fastballs on the day. We'll see how that translates into his next start. Not a great one from Bruce Zimmerman, but he will certainly bounce back. And hey, the Orioles, of course, still won the game. Fourth thing you need to know is that, you know, the Orioles used a, a good amount of bullpen arms to get this victory. Ended up using five guys out of the bullpen, Brian Baker, Dylan Tate, Joey Crable, Jorge Lopez, and Felix Bautista in this one. But I wanted to highlight Brian Baker. And yes, you know, he did give up the hit that looked like it could have been the one that sent the Yankees to victory. Baker came in in the sixth inning after Zimmerman had allowed the first two runners to reach in a 3-3 game with nobody out. And then he came in, he walked Giancarlo Stanton and loaded the bases. But... Baker just locked in, striking out Gleyber Torres, striking out Aaron Hicks. He thought he was going to get out of it. And then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa got him for a two-run single. Of course, both runs were charged to Zimmerman, but it made it a 5-3 Yankee lead. He then got Higashioka to pop up to end the inning. So he's given a scoreless inning with two strikeouts, a walk, and a hit allowed. But I really just wanted to more highlight the stuff that we saw from Brian Baker. You know, since he got that 
you know, kind of opener spot start last Thursday in St. Louis. His velo has been way up on his fastball, and that continued in Thursday's game for Baker. He threw 13 fastballs, 13 four-seamers out of 22 pitches, mixed in seven cutters and two change-ups. And the fastball velo, it was averaging 95.4 miles per hour. His year-long average is 94. He topped out at 96.8, almost touched 97 with the fastball. He got five whiffs on nine swings on that four-seamer. That pitch really plays up with a good spin rate, kind of stays on its plane up in the zone. I know he gave up a big hit, but he almost tiptoed out of bases loaded, no outs with strikeouts. I was really impressed by Baker, and I think he was a really good waiver find by the Orioles this offseason. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 9-6 walk-off victory over the New York Yankees in Thursday afternoon's game is that, hey, Robinson Chirinos maybe was hearing Adley Rutschman's footsteps as Chirinos launched a ball in the left field seats for his first home run in an Oriole uniform. It was a two-run shot in the second inning off of Yankee starter Jordan Montgomery that tied the game at two. It was Chirinos' only hit on the day. He also struck out twice in a one-for-four and is still batting 147, although that one-for-four raised his average to 147 on the year. But it was at least nice to see him hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, to give the Orioles something offensively, they've gotten nothing from that catcher position this year. But for Chirinos, 102 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 381 feet for the two-run shot to left field. You know, maybe he was here in the Adley footsteps. And obviously the assumption on when Adley comes up is that Anthony Benboom is either optioned or most likely DFA'd to, you know, open the 40-man spot for Adley. And Chirinos stays on as the veteran backup to Adley Rutschman. I think that's what the Orioles wanted to do when they signed Chirinos to the one-year deal in the offseason. But Chirinos knows that his bat has not been there, and he's been, per StatCast, one of the worst framing catchers in baseball. Now, he's been solid calling the game, been solid with the young pitchers, been solid in terms of the running game, but he's been terrible as a framer, and that's what the Orioles didn't like about Pedro Severino. He could hit a little bit, but he was horrendous as a framer. Chance Sisko was a bad framer, too. They thought Chirinos could bring him back because he used to be a bad framer, but he actually got his framing numbers last season to about league average. So I talked about that when the Orioles signed him and thought, you know what? Maybe he's making strides. Those strides have gone away. He's back near the bottom of the league. Ben Boom is about league average. Adley Rutschman's really good at that. So maybe he can help Torinos in a little bit, and I'm sure Torinos can help Adley with other things. But it was nice to see an Oriole catcher hit a big home run like that. The question obviously becomes... Will Adley Rutschman be the next Oriole catcher to hit a home run? Again, we still don't know. Now 6.36 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Haven't heard any news. We hope he comes up this weekend to take on the Rays, but we will see, and uh, we'll keep you updated right here on, across all channels of Locked on Orioles. But it's an Orioles win. Anthony Santander, the walk-off homer that beat the Yankees 9-6, and it really wipes away all the bad feelings of that six-game losing streak as the O's send the Yankees back to New York with a big giant L. But we wanted to get to some more Orioles news from the week. And while we're hoping the O's add a player this weekend in Adley Rutschman, they did subtract a player earlier this week in Paul Fry when he was DFA'd. But surprisingly enough, after the DFA, the Orioles were actually able to find a trade partner for Fry. And we'll talk about the more smaller details of that deal coming up in just a second. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. The most delicious protein bar out there on the market. Built Bars, 
They just taste like candy bars. That's what makes them so good. You've got these bars with 17 grams of protein, around 200 calories, all covered in 100% real chocolate. These great flavors like peanut butter brownie. You've got fruity flavors like cherry and orange. You've got good flavors like mint brownie and chocolate chunk. They just, the, the great flavors are endless and they, they keep coming out with new flavors. They're always coming out with new flavors and they're always delicious. It's the candy bar version of a protein bar. You get the health and you get the delicious snack as well. So if you want to get your hands on some of these delicious and nutritious protein bars, head over to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So the Orioles beat the Yankees 9-6 on a walk-off homer from Anthony Santander. But one guy who wasn't in the ballpark for that, of course, is Paul Fry, who the Orioles had optioned to AAA Norfolk on May 12th and then DFA'd off the 40-man roster two days later on May 14th. And now four days after that, on Wednesday, the Orioles announced that they had found a trade partner for Paul Fry. Of course, when you put a player like Fry on waivers to send him off the 40-man roster, you can still make a trade. It's not, you know, a team can claim him, but there can also be a trade happening to send that player to another team. And what did happen is the Orioles made a trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, they acquired one 19-year-old player. It could end up being nothing. But Mike Elias has had success acquiring these, you know, Dominican Summer League 18 and 19-year-olds in these trades. You talk about Michelle Deson, you talk about Gene Pinto, just to name a few. They've worked out pretty good so far. And so the question is, can Luis Osorio be the next one? That's who the Orioles got back from the Diamondbacks in the trade for Paul Fry. So first, you know, Fry on the season, we've talked about it. 12 appearances, 12 innings, a 6 ERA, 9 hits, 9 runs, 8 earned, 12 Ks, 7 walks, 2 hit batters, and a home run allowed. It wasn't great from Paul Fry. He had had 5 straight scoreless appearances, but he was actually getting hit a lot harder over those last five scoreless appearances. Obviously, he was great in 2020. He had the 2-4-5 ERA in the shortened season. Obviously, he was fantastic in the first three months of the year last year, but then fell off a cliff. Things got better, but not better enough this year, and it, it was just time to move on from Paul Fry. And I guess at the end of the day, it's nice that the Orioles got something back for him. So who is Luis Osorio? It's hard to get a lot of info on him because... He signed with the Diamondbacks as a free agent out of Venezuela back in December of 2019. He is now 19 years old. He turned 19 in January, and he's only pitched in one season for the Diamondbacks. Has not appeared in any minor league game this year. Now, the Dominican Summer League has not started yet, so he was probably planning to, to be sent back there for the 2022 season. But in 2021, he pitched as a right-hander, as an 18-year-old, in the Dominican Summer League for the Diamondbacks. In his statistics, 15 appearances, he made six starts, and in 41 and two-thirds innings, Osorio had a 5.83 ERA, which, again, is not great, but the underlying stats were a little better. Again, 41 and two-thirds innings, he allowed just 33 hits. He struck out 51 batters in those about 41 innings. He did walk 20, but 51 Ks is pretty good. Six hit batters, six home runs, but... It was only a 217 batting average against the then 18-year-old righty. So he had some strikeout stuff. He was able to miss bats at times. Basically, what happened to him is he gave up extra base hits and home runs at the worst possible times after he had walked batters. That's why the ERA was just shy of six. But 
there's some stuff in there that you can look at, and I'm not going to pretend like I've ever seen him pitch or anything, but Orioles have scouts who have, and that's why they picked that guy out of the Diamondback system to get back for Paul Fry. Again, it could end up being nothing, but it could be something. And if Luis Osorio ever even gets to the big leagues, it's probably a, a, a win for the Orioles that they got that guy back. And again, he's 19. We won't see him for a while. Maybe we'll see him in the Florida Complex League later this summer, and maybe we'll talk to Eric Garfield here on the podcast if he gets to see him pitch about what the O's potentially got back there. But again, in terms of things Mike Elias does with this organization, I feel like I maybe trust him the most in his staff the most in finding these 18 and 19-year-old kids, basically, out of the Dominican Summer League. He's done so good at identifying talent there along with his staff that I trust that this could be a, a potential future piece for the Orioles. But at the end of the day, the Paul Fry era is over for the Orioles. Now, Fry was, you know, acquired by the Dimebacks. He's on the 40-man roster, uh, but he was actually sent to AAA Reno. So I don't believe currently he's on the D-backs active roster. He's going to start in the AAA bullpen for them. But I would assume shortly he'll probably be in the major leagues for a Diamondbacks bullpen that is having a lot of trouble right now. And uh, so we'll get to see Paul Fry. We wish him all the best in another uniform. You know, he'd been great. For a while, he'd been solid for a while with the Orioles. It's the only team he'd ever pitched for in the major leagues. Been with the O's since 2018. Had a 4.80 ERA and 187 career appearances out of the Oriole bullpen. He gave the O's some big outs and big moments, but the ending was kind of rough. And just wish him all the best in Arizona. So, of course, Fry no longer with the Orioles. He'll be with the Diamondbacks. But on the Orioles' side, they've just won a game, snapped their losing streak. And now they got three more games at home. It's the Tampa Bay Rays coming in, the team that the Orioles can't seem to figure out. Dominated by the Rays last year, swept by the Rays to open this season. Can the Orioles find a way to beat the Rays? Well, coming up next, we'll preview the three-game series and talk about what the O's are going to need to do if they want to finally beat the two-time defending AL East champions. But first, let's talk about betonline.net because... You could definitely get some really, really favorable odds if you want to take the Orioles to win this series against the Rays. Now, that would be a lofty bet there. But, hey, maybe it could happen if they keep the energy from the Santander walk-off home run. Because betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports wagering needs. It's really the one-stop shop for everything you could need. You can check the lines over there. Check the odds. Check any parlays you want to put down. You can... Get your sports news, even injury news as well, to make you a smarter gambler. You can also check the score, you know, pull up betonline.net, get a live score on whatever game you may have bet on. You can also listen to podcasts just like this one over at betonline.net. And maybe the best part is you can also play your favorite Vegas casino games right from your couch. It doesn't really get better or easier than that. So to get all of that and more for all your sports gambling needs, head over to betonline.net, where the game starts. So it's Orioles and Rays this weekend at Camden Yards, a three-game series Friday through Sunday to finish up this seven-game homestand. And again, as I record here, now 6.44 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday evening, we have heard no news from Adley Rutschman. We know he's in the Norfolk lineup on Thursday night. My original prediction a couple weeks ago, officially on this podcast, was that he would debut what is tonight, Friday, May 20th, against the Rays. It still could happen, even if we haven't heard anything as you're listening to this on Friday morning. But uh, looking a little less likely as I record now, but we will see. But 
Whether Adley's there or not, the Orioles are going to play the Rays for three games at Camden Yards. And it's going to start on Friday with the Rays going with the opener because that is what they do. It's Jalen Beeks, the left-hander who will get the start for the Rays. Beeks who will go probably no more than two innings as a Rays opener usually does. Now, the good thing for the Orioles is they have crushed Jalen Beeks throughout his time with the Rays. He has a 7.94 ERA in 22 career innings against the Orioles. So we'll see if the O's can maybe open up a nice little lead against the guy that they have just mashed in the past. But the plan is, I believe for the Rays, is that lefty Ryan Yarborough will follow Beeks as kind of the bulk pitcher. Yarborough missed all of April this year with injury. He's made three starts back so far and has a 4.91 ERA in those three starts this season. Of course, the Orioles have seen a lot of the soft-tossing lefty in his career. We'll see if they can figure out Yarborough on Friday night, a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start in which Tyler Wells will get the start for the Orioles. And for Wells, you know, he's continued to pitch further into games than we expected. Now, his one start against the Rays this year was his first career start back on opening weekend. And yes, it did not go well. He lasted just an ing and two thirds, allowing four runs on three hits, struck out two and walked two. But since then, it's been pretty good stuff for Wells. You know, he's got a 4.18 ERA through seven starts on the season, just 19 strikeouts and 28 innings. The K stuff hasn't been there, but in his last start against Detroit, he was trending a little bit down, four innings, eight hits, three runs, two Ks, and no walks. We'll see if he can bounce back a bit against this raised lineup. Game number two, also a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start on Saturday. Jeffrey Springs will take the ball for the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, Springs in the past, if he had started, would have been considered an opener, but the Rays this season have transitioned Springs from a reliever slash opener to a true starter. And the 29-year-old left-hander in 11 appearances this year, some out of the bullpen and some recently as a starter, has a 1.66 ERA, 20 strikeouts in 21 and two-thirds innings, just a .78 whip for Springs, who has been kind of dominating since he got into the starting role, including his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays on May 15th. Four and two-thirds scoreless, struck out two, allowed four hits, and did not walk anyone. And for Springs in his career against the Orioles, now he's never made a start against the O's, at least being a real starter, but against the Orioles throughout his time with the Rays, he's dominated the O's too. 12 innings, just two earned runs, 17 strikeouts to four walks. For Jeffrey Springs against the Orioles, he's got some nasty stuff. Doesn't throw crazy hard, you know, low to mid-90s from the left side. But he has some filthy, filthy stuff from that side. We'll see if the Orioles' righties can uh, try to get some runs against Jeffrey Springs, who hasn't given up many runs all year. And he's going to go up against Kyle Bradish, who is right back out there on the mound for the Orioles. A little bit of a tough start for Bradish his last time out, as uh, through his four career starts now has a 5.06 ERA. And he got hit around a bit by the Yankees on Monday night, allowing four runs on eight hits over four and a third. But he did strike out six. He did also walk three. It was a very up-and-down start against the Yankees. But, of course, two starts ago is when he struck out 11 over seven innings in St. Louis. Hopefully he can do that in his first ever start against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then Sunday finishes off the series. Again, we hope we're seeing Adley by that point. It's a 135 p.m. Eastern time start. Corey Kluber takes the mound for Tampa Bay. He's had just a just a pretty above average season. Seven starts, a 4.29 ERA, 35 Ks in 35 and two-thirds innings. Kluber's last start, though, was 
One of his best of the year against Detroit on May 16th. Six innings, four hits, two runs, eight Ks, and no walks. He had a really weird start in the opening weekend of the season when, of course, the Rays swept the Orioles to open the year down in Tampa Bay. Kluber went four and two-thirds scoreless against the Orioles, allowed three hits. He struck out five, but he walked four in that one and allowed three hits, but somehow tiptoed around it all to keep the Orioles scoreless in that game. And on the other side for the O's, it's the right-hander Spencer Watkins who will get the start for Baltimore. He has not looked great recently. Watkins has made seven starts this year, has a 5-1-0 ERA, but the last two have been ones to forget for Watkins. Now, on Tuesday against New York, he only gave up two runs over four innings, but he walked three and struck out only one batter. And then two starts ago, that was last Wednesday against St. Louis, he got killed by the Cardinals. Three and two-thirds innings, seven runs on eight hits. We'll see if Watkins can bounce back against a Rays team that he actually saw a lot in 2021. And if you remember, he had his first really good start as an Oriole against the Rays in Tampa Bay last July 19th. Six innings, four hits, one run, seven Ks, and two walks for Watkins in that one. Threw a lot of fastballs up in the zone, and it worked. Maybe he'll turn it around because if Watkins doesn't, and if Watkins gets roughed up again on Sunday against Tampa, you start to peer down in AAA. Grayson Rodriguez is throwing the best ball of his career. Might be time to make that move if Watkins doesn't get it done on Sunday. But again, it's Orioles and Rays this weekend. The Rays coming in 23-15 and 15 on the year, trying to make a push to get a little closer to the Yankees who have been already pulling away in the AL East. Of course, from the Rays' side, they just came off a, a series win against the Tigers, but they lost Brandon Lau, one of their best hitters, maybe their best hitter, and a Terp for at least a month with some issues with his back, obviously wishing the best to Lau, but he's going to be out of the Rays' lineup, so uh, they are down one of their best bats as they take on the Orioles. But I'll be back with you here on Monday. Of course, we'll be recapping the three-game set between the Orioles and the Rays, getting you my three big takeaways from the weekend. And I really do hope, I really do hope, that the next time you hear from me on Monday, talking all about Adley Rutschman's Major League debut. But either way, I'll be talking to Orioles right here with you on Monday's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.